Hi, this is Dr. MJ coming to you from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. This is the Women in Dentistry podcast where we feature women in dentistry making waves and leading the industry through the next decade. I am your host, Dr. Mary Jane Hanlon, a former dental assistant, dental hygienist, and now dentist. I'm very pleased to introduce you today to Ms. Cindy Ishimoto. Cindy is passionate about cultivating self-directed leaders who help their practices flourish. She wants dentists and teams to know that they can make a change and grow as professionals and leaders. With over 35 years of dental consulting and speaking experience, Cindy has worked in all specialties, small practices, very large group practices, with new practitioners and those transitioning out of dentistry. Her focus is on helping practices establish systems that balance serving patients, profitability, and enjoyment of the profession. She's well known for her expertise in business, financial management, motivational, and team building systems of the practice. Cindy has been named a leader in consulting by Dentistry Today from 2006 to 2020. Cindy's enthusiasm, expertise, and energy make her one of the most influential speakers and consultants in dentistry today. Cindy understands that repetition is the key to learning and her creative presentations and coaching sessions ensure that this happens. It is now my pleasure to bring you to my interview with Cindy Ishimoto. Cindy, I am so excited to spend some time with you. Obviously, we know each other. We've met at Jumpstart a couple of times but it's really awesome to be and share, be really awesome to share you with my audience because, you know, I have enjoyed our conversations in the past and it, it's nice. So thank you so much for being here. And I'd love it if you would just start by telling us a little bit about your story. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button to our channel. And also don't forget to hit the bell so you never miss out on a single episode. Thanks so much. I was blessed when I was 16 years old to do some volunteer work at the state hospital. I went there because I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist. I thought, you know, that's a good field. I'm going to go there and practice. Right next to the physical therapy clinic was the dental clinic. And because of it, something kept pulling me over there. I spent more time there than I did in physical therapy. What I, I learned everything. I learned how to dental assist. The, the dentists there were willing to show me how to do it. I learned about hygienists there. I learned about really what dentists are all about. And so I was 16 and I totally changed my mind. And I then um, decided that I was going to go to hygiene school. And so in between there, I thought, well, I don't know enough to even think for sure I want to go to hygiene school. So I um, asked my own dentist if um, I could work for him. So I did that. You know, the, the girl that comes in high school and um, pulls charts, put charts away. Calls people on the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did all that. Um, and then I went to hygiene school at the UH. And um, I also got married at 19. Um, I had, I met my husband, soon to be husband, at the state hospital. He was one of those dentists. He had just graduated from dental school. He was headed to the army. We didn't date. Oh my goodness, my father would have killed him. Um, I was 16 and he was 26. 
no. And then he went off to the army and came back and we started dating. And then we got married at 19. Uh, when I was 19, he was 29. We uh, opened a dental practice together. Um, I helped him to train his assistants and his, um, his entire team. I set up all his management systems and we were crazy busy. So we hired a consultant um, to help us because we couldn't see our way out of the forest. Um, everything was impactful and not a happy time because busy doesn't mean happy. And we hired a consultant and then that cons consultant did me something that was very good for my own self-confidence and my own belief in Cindy and said, I'd like for you to work for me. My husband didn't like it. <laughs> but I went to work for the consultant that helped to straighten our practice out. And he taught me a, a lot of things, how to read numbers and how to do all of the practice management teaching. I was very blessed. And then um, who was that, Cindy? His name is only familiar to the West Coast and Hawaii. His name is Dave Smith. And he was... Um, quite prominent in the in the 70s and early 80s and uh, when he he got overwhelmingly busy and needed some space he was very kind and generous and allowed me to take over his Hawaii base so I was very blessed to have that and um, I have been now consulting a little longer than 40 years I have uh, been um, international and national. I came to uh, speaking naturally. I think that when you consult, you're working with the teams um, and those are mini speaking events and teaching events. So I came to it naturally and I have been doing that ever since. I also have uh, raised two children. They both live in California. And so I uh, have done my, my job of raising them and they're having their life and we're, I'm not having an empty nest at all. <laughs> I've taken um, many practices from start to finish, from opening their doors to um, being there when they um, have sold their practice and trash transitioned out of dentistry. So I feel really blessed. Um, I've actually consulted for every specialty and um, which is unusual. My expertise has come from having that background and being able to work in all of the environments and the cultures of each of those types of practices. So my, I feel like I've had a career of, of fortunate um, moments in my life and I feel proud of the, that, that work that I've done and continue to do because um, Coaching is serving and um, serving these dental practices helps them to achieve their level of happiness and contentment and decrease their chaos and their stress. And I like doing that. Absolutely. And nothing more fulfilling at the end of the day than knowing that you've helped somebody. Right. Amazing. Amazing. 40 years in a career and, and consulting is how... You know, I don't think anything happens by accident. You were obviously in the right place at the right time. And you had, there was something that that consultant saw in you that he knew you would be really good at this. So obviously the length of time and that faith that he had in you was apparent. Hmm. 
Well, thank you. And I, um, my last name is Japanese. So I have this great belief in karma. And I do believe that right place, right time. And being prepared as something that I have lived by. Um, knowledge is king. It, I was always hungry and needed to know. And I couldn't just know the do it this way answers from anybody. I had to know why. And I had to know if I do that, what fallout would I see or what um, goodness would I see? I had to know if you tweak this, you do that. I had to know how the systems were interlinked. And so my curiosity, once I saw that consultant working in our practice, I knew that that was something that spoke to my, my person, right? My mm -hmm. core. And so um, coaching, I think actually was natural, but I had no who, there's no school for it. You don't yeah. go to school for consulting or coaching. What you go to school for is the profession of dentistry, the systems of dentistry, the, the business of dentistry, the clinical side, all of those pieces and how they intertwine. So I know that right place, right time, my karma was to be a consultant and I was prepared to do it by constantly and consistently educating myself. Well, I want to go back to that concept of education because one of the things that I observed throughout COVID is the fear escalated dramatically among people that weren't educating themselves. And when I finally sat down and read a gazillion articles and did all the research on CDC and you know looked at OSHA and, and copious amounts of time spent just teaching myself and learning as much as I could about this is when I realized that the reason why people were staying so fearful was the difference between having the education and not having the education. And I think that's a critical key for people to understand that you become fearful when you don't understand something. And so our job is to learn as much as we possibly can, right? And if you don't know, it's okay. Find somebody can teach you. Yes, I think that, uh, you know, there's a there's a quote that I've always um, taught and lived by called the, that school is never out for the professional. And that the moment I feel any fear for Cindy, um, the COVID COVID certainly sent fear in me. Um, I fly for a living. I, I'm wondering how I'm going to do that. What's that going to be like? Um, and I had to had to educate myself and still continue to educate myself because what's that going to look like? How am I going to accomplish that? And then um, how do I consult in an office now with all of the things? How do I do that? How do I do a virtual presentation? How do I use Zoom? How do I do that? One of the things is that I have a skill and my skill is I can't stand not knowing because it puts me at a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. So I, I start to search and I start to problem solve and I start to learn. And the learning piece decreases my fear without me even knowing it. Mm -hmm. It makes me comfortable in a new zone. I certainly didn't understand 
implants from a perspective of helping my clients to learn how to schedule their patients and what codes to use and to do all of those things. So I had to go learn that. Well, I went to one of my clients who was a prosthodontist who, who placed implants and I watched them and I learned them and I, and I learned things that I, I may never need to know, right? I don't know how to need to know how to place them, but what I learned was an appreciation of a skill. And I think that comfortableness, confidence, decreasing fear, all of those things that crop up is from lack of knowledge. Well, no one's gonna just open, cut my head off and open the top of my head and shove it in. Cindy has to go find it. Cindy has to look for it. And I have to look for it from a, a perspective of, what, what things do I need to know to accomplish whatever it is? So COVID's fear, what I saw from my clients and their staff members, um, what I saw was that the, the fear of the disease was overwhelming them and shutting down their student capabilities. And in it, I only asked them to put that aside Put it on the side because that's a healthy fear. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a, you don't know what that is and you certainly don't want to be sick. I get all of that. But what I, what I needed them to do was to ask the questions that were really important. How do we get back to caring for our patients? How do we get back? And we don't get back unless we take the first step, which is educating ourselves on how, who, what, when, where, and why. And that will give us confidence and confidence takes fear and pushes it out the door. Absolutely. So, and that's our path. Uh, without a doubt. And, and, and obviously that's why people hire you, right? So that you can coach them through some of these difficult times to get to the other side. Some people just can't see beyond you know, what's in front of them. And they're, you know, we have to expand our vision so much more than that. I compare it to uh, a steel trap. You know, if you have a steel trap mindset and a growth mindset, you absolutely can muster through anything because you don't let things impact you, but yet you're open to growing and pursuing the next, you know, challenge, whatever that might be. Um, people that have closed mindsets just don't do that. They, they won't push themselves. They, they won't think it's possible. They think everything is impossible. So what's the single best piece of advice that you have ever gotten in your career? You know, and um, when I get asked that, the first thing always is the first thing, right? Say the first thing that comes to your mind. So the first thing that comes to my mind is really that repetition is key to learning. I had two fabulous teachers and I worked for both of these uh, women and feel uh, so blessed to have worked for them. And they both taught me that thing and how to do it. One was Linda Miles and the other one was Kathy Jamison. Those two mentors, coaches, guides, teachers taught me that my weakness would be in thinking that I could say something once from my way of thinking and that everyone would get it. That Repetition doesn't only mean saying the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. It means teaching to that person's style, um, learning what maybe the foundation in a dental practice already is, 
and how to bump it up instead of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It was the best piece of advice because I am a very quick adapter and most people aren't as quick as I am. And so that would have decreased my effectiveness as a consultant if I couldn't embrace it. And one of the things in COVID too, during this COVID period of time, repetitions increased. I needed to approach it from different angles, find a different teacher to help them to learn about the new CDC guidelines or, or whatever it was that I needed them to do because I needed to pull them out of the muck they were in. And in it, um, the increased repetitions for me became so much of my focus of how can I say it differently to this doctor so that they can move forward because they're gonna open their doors on June 1st and boy, they're not ready. So greatest piece of advice, repetition is key to learning. So for all the doctors out there, my biggest hint for you is just because you told the patient once doesn't mean they heard you. That's right. It's so much other things are in that mind, isn't there? Yes, it's a crowded field. <laughs> exactly. Who's made the biggest impact on your life? You know, um, besides the two consultants I, that, you know, I worked with, there, there are two people that pop always to mind, my mind. I think the biggest influence has come from Catherine Itell. And Catherine has been a friend of mine. We came into consulting pretty similar time frame. Um, we're members of associations together. We've worked together. Um, we have great respect for each other. She's my teacher. She's my coach. She's my sanity sometimes. Um, and in it, she, she continues. She's always ahead of me, which I'm not sure how she does it, but she's pretty good at it. She's always ahead of me in teaching and, and methodology. And um, there isn't a finer teacher out there than um, Catherine in how to do what I do. And so because of that, and because she still does it too, there's that confidence between the two of us that we can talk to each other about um, consulting, et cetera. So she's one. And the other one's Vanessa Emerson, you know her. Um, Vanessa Emerson um, changed my speaker's life. She changed uh, my, um, my comfort in the speaker's world and um, the ability to, to market myself and to learn to, that it's okay to talk about myself. Mm -hmm. And that it's okay to have materials that are about branding myself and um, be better at what I do. And the conversations with Vanessa are never limited to speaking. They're always about all kinds of other things. And she constantly leads me to where things are now and where things are going. And so because of that, those two ladies have influenced me and continue to influence me. And so because of that, they, they're my strongest voices that when someone asks me that question, I can say absolutely those two. Those two women, yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Both are amazing, uh, amazing women. I, call, I haven't spent as much time with Catherine, but I call Vanessa the connector because I, I, I have never met anyone who is so good at connecting people and, and connecting groups and, 
and seeing the big picture on, on how we can all support one another. And I love that about her. Absolutely love that about her. So tell me about some obstacles that you might've had in your career that you're so proud of that you've overcome. The longevity always makes you, um, you look back and you think, how did something stop me? How did, how did I get stuck there? How did that happen to me? And when I first started, because I was uh, quite young, I was 23 when I first started consulting. <laughs> and I was, um, uh, because I was young, the dentists liked to call me young lady. And they, they kept telling me that young lady, um, you don't know enough uh, uh, about dentistry. You're just a hygienist or you're just married to a dentist. You're, you're, because you're not a dentist, what makes you think you can tell me how to run my business? And I, I not only had that obstacle, um, in Hawaii, there's a certain amount of uh, prejudice that most people don't really realize. Um, Caucasians are the minority in the state of Hawaii. And because of that, that was many, that 40 years ago, um, that also was part of that young lady. And most of the dentists in Hawaii were Japanese, Chinese. They didn't accept a young Caucasian telling them what. And they didn't like that I was married to a dentist. That was a, another stopper. And that, so that, that kind of, in it, I kept thinking, well, I don't even think that way at all. I don't think I'm young because I'm educated. I don't, I have all this experience. I've been running my husband's practice for three years. I, I kind of know I'm learning. I took every course known to man um, in practice management. I am striving to learn more about consulting on a regular basis that I never quit. And so I just kind of threw all of that away. I said, oh yeah, well, okay. You're not the client for me. If you can't see past that, I'll move on. And then I came to another, another juncture. I wanted very much to be national and international. I wanted it. I wanted to be like my friends that I had met um, during my travels. And I wanted to work more than in the state of Hawaii. And that was my next pushback or obstacle was that someone from Hawaii couldn't possibly know what they're talking about and that I would never get hired. Well, I've proved it all wrong. I have clients all around the world. Um, I have spoken in so many countries, the list doesn't fit on any of the hands or I, I have had the privilege of working extensively in Canada. I am very blessed to have proved all of it wrong, um, to not be a dentist and be able to teach dentists and not, um, and to be a dental spouse. And for all those team members who like that interview, um, at interview like to ask that question, does the wife work here? Because if she does, I, I, I don't wanna work here. And I would love to tell them when I was interviewing them, well, not only am I the spouse of the dentist, I also am the consultant who teaches you everything about the practice. So if that's a problem for you, I guess you don't want this job. So I've had multiple obstacles of uh, a lot of it based in being younger, being a woman, 
um, and not being a dentist. And all of those went away because in order to combat it all, I did what we've spoken about already, which was make sure that I was educated, make sure that I had the skill set um, that if they were going to ask me a question about something that I didn't teach or wasn't, um, didn't know about, I would refer them to other, other professionals and other people. So the obstacles, what, what they taught me was be prepared, learn, and never think less of them for thinking that because they didn't know what they didn't know. You know, I have to agree with you wholeheartedly on that topic, because even in this day and age, I know bias still exists. And I don't think, I'm not making excuses for anyone, but I, I don't think it's intentional bias. I think it's a lot of it, especially towards female is subconscious bias. And, you know, obviously, you know, what African-Americans have had to go through is, is a totally different subject. But in reference only to female bias, I think that at this point in time, that most of it is, is un unconscious and men just aren't aware that they, that they are doing things that are sidelining women or undermining women. And I, I quite honestly don't think it's intentional because I think for the most part, everyone that I do know that's in that, that arena have a lot of respect for women in general. And so, you know, I just think making them aware is something that we all have to um, really focus on doing and, and say, by the way, when you said this, um, did you understand that you were, you were undermining me in a certain way because you went to the man before you asked me? And I truly do believe that it's an unconscious thing. Totally not acceptable, but we as women, I think, have to start speaking up. And when we uh, see it and it is occurring, not let it slide by. I think that's one of the biggest things that, that I have noticed, at least in my own career, is that I'm not letting it slide anymore. I have to, I have to bring somebody's attention to it because it's important. And you know, with, with the profession turning 64% female, <laughs> Yes. You know, in dental school this year, our class is 64. The entering class is 64% female. It's time for them to see women in leadership roles so that they have something to, to look up to, to understand that, that women before them have done this. Absolutely. I think the, you know, there's the, the, the piece of, of, I believe in this language of reframe. Ah, I was just talking about that. At this whole piece of, um, you know, the girls in the front. Um, when I when I hear that from a dentist, I, I tell them, may I may I provide some um, coaching for you on some of your language skills, because I want you to be an effective leader. And if you keep calling them the girls in the front, you're going to have a decreased respect system. So let's talk about um, giving them their due. Can you process an insurance claim? Do you know how to look up eligibility? Do you actually know how to schedule? You know, the power that they bring to the success of your practice is based on their knowledge and their skills. And so we're going we're gonna to respect that. So the reframe to me is about coming back to it as the teacher and saying, they don't even know that. 
my dad still calls girls girls and um, does things. And then he, as soon as he says it, he looks at me and he goes, oh, except for you, Cindy. Now, I know you don't like that term girls. And I said, no, I think that what you do is you, you indicate that there's something in your mind that's less than. And so for, for us, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't call you a guy or a boy. Uh, and so in it, I don't think the label is necessary to throw the label out. Speak to me as a human being one-on-one directly and not um, doing that. So the reframe to me is my responsibility if I'm offended and how I'm going to do that is, is always going to be from a teacher's perspective. How can I help this person to elevate their leadership language skills to keep from putting down someone within their team or group, et cetera. And I agree with you, leadership in dentistry, we need to have it look like the profession and the profession is strongly women now. And we, we absolutely need representation to, to be there, to lead dentistry to um, a greater and stronger position. So I agree with that comment that you made too. So you, you uh, one of the things that I've noticed in, in the short amount of time that we've been talking is your level of confidence. And, you know, I, I'm always curious about confidence and where people get their confidence from. Is it something that you have had since you were a young girl or is it something that you have developed over the years? And I asked specifically for, you know, the young women that are out there thinking that they can't do something or they will never be able to do this or, you know, all of that stuff that Mo and Schmo talk about in our brains that that are lies. And so but I noticed that your confidence is is intact and it's it's very strong. And I, I'm just curious about it. I think my mother would tell you that Cindy's never lacked for confidence. My mother would also tell you that uh, she thinks it was that middle child syndrome. Actually, I was not confident as a child. I didn't have a problem using my voice. That, that's what my mom heard, right, is my ability to talk. So I think that's where it came from. I wasn't confident. And the way I sought confident, I have this background that most people don't know about me. So I'll share it with you. I have this background that um, I did musical theater. I uh, play the piano. I play the ukulele. I sing for a hula troupe. I dance hula. I have always done some form. I sing in my church. I sing solo. I sing in groups. I've always had this need to do something that scared the pedavers out of me. I was never confident as a singer. I was never confident trying out for a, a, a role in a play. I was never confident when someone said, well, you, it's, you don't have to do the solo, Cindy. You can be in a trio or, or 10 of you will be together. I was never confident to carry my own part. Um, and in it, it, it was something that we've already talked about, fear. It was fear. And what I did was, is that I, I, I forced myself to look at it from, do you want to sing? 
Yes. Who's keeping you from singing? My person is you. Me? Um, do you want to star in a play? Actually, no, my answer was no there. I wanted a bit role, but I didn't want the starring role because I knew that that would take a lot of time and I wasn't totally committed to that. And in it, I went and took voice lessons. I, uh, according to my husband, he paid a lot for a singing career that is non-existent. <laughs> so he's wrong. There's worse things that could happen. Right. Well, he's wrong because everything that I did to gain confidence for Cindy helped me in my career. Absolutely. I'm not afraid to get on a stage in front of 5,000 people and do a presentation on practice management. I am not afraid of being in a room with five or six dentists and 24 staff members and et cetera. I'm not, I'm not thinking that I'm less or not confident. It takes um, seeking balance of finding the education that feeds all parts of you, finding things that that you have a passion for, but still scare the pedavers out of you. Because I'm telling you, that singing thing, I couldn't, if you can't breathe, you can't sing. Well, I couldn't breathe. And in it, I found out that what really what I needed was to learn it and to own it. And when I learned it and owned it, the fear went away. Absolutely. It's just like educating yourself, right? It's all, it's all fear-based. Everything that you don't understand is fear. So self-confidence, I think that self-confidence is tied to finding that way to educate yourself for you to be comfortable that what lives in here and lives in here can come out together. Mm -hmm. Because that's the, the, the reading that you get from me that I'm confident is I'm confident because I know I've learned it. I've done it. I have experience doing it. My heart says that I love dentistry. I love the practice of dentistry and that I, I belong in it. And because I belong in it, it helps me to be confident. And all the dentists out there belong in dentistry. They belong in dentistry. All the, all the women that are out there that are feeling less than confident, you have belongingness. If you have belongingness, that's confidence. You belong. And so now it's a matter of where do you fit in on your educational stance and how do you lift yourself so that you don't get caught in a conversation with a patient about something maybe you don't know enough about or that you're willing to say, you know, I don't know the answer for that, but I'm going to find out the answer and I'm going to get it to you because I want to learn that too. So that's, I think, I think that confidence comes really from our, our ongoing discussion around that it recognizing that it's fear. And then how do you get yourself out of fear and you face it with the educational piece. And then if the fear goes away and you don't even know it's gone, it's, it's gone. All of a sudden, it's not there anymore. Yeah. All of a sudden. So tell us one thing that people would be surprised to know about you. I already did that. Most people don't know that I dance hula or that I sing. They just don't know it. And even all of my colleagues, uh, my consulting colleagues, most of them don't know. I don't um, 
perform. You should just go and do songs someday. Yeah, I should. Uh, I really should. The people that know are people that maybe were, you know, when um, karaoke was really popular, that we went out for the evening and we did some karaoke. But truly, the people on Maui know it because I'm very involved in that community here on Maui. But um, most of my even long-term friends don't really know that I do that. It's kind of my own little hidden secret passion. I do it for Cindy, not for, not for everybody else. Exactly. Exactly. So um, when have you had an aha moment and realized that you're doing exactly what you were meant to do? Can you think of one? Yeah. Um, I, I, <laughs> the aha moment uh, came from me, for me, when uh, a client stood up and in a room where I know he wasn't comfortable that had more than a thousand people in it. And he stood up and took the microphone in and said, I've had lots of teachers in my, my um, lifetime. And Cindy's been my consultant for a long, long time. And all I can tell you is, is that if you really want to learn about your practice in yourself, you need to get a coach in your life who will listen to you and then guide you where you want to go. And my aha was, oh my goodness, I have arrived. I'm that teacher whose student comes back after all those years and says, you were the teacher in my life. I'm that teacher now. And so the aha pieces, it's actually come back at me um, for probably the last 20 years when I finally got credibility. I'll tell you when I got credibility, when I turned 40. Uh, when I turned 40 and someone actually asked me how old I was, they stopped calling me young lady. It went, that went away. And so the, the credibility piece um, came from referrals, people referring me to their classmates, their friends, um, referring me for speaking engagements and doing those things. So aha for me has really been when, when someone says something publicly, now shocks me and surprises me like that. And, and that I had some effect on him um, and his family and his practice. And so I'm grateful for all of that. Um, and mostly grateful that he actually caused that aha moment that I, what I'm doing is, is having impact and is really worthwhile. So um, that's my, that's awesome. That is awesome. And, and nothing, it's just like when a dentist um, restores someone's smile. You just can't help but be overwhelmed with the sincerest, warmest feeling of love and appreciation because you get to do what you get to do every day. Absolutely. And, um, and it's that, that, that get to do it. I get to do this. I know. I know. You have a choice. I do have a choice and um, I, I, I get asked all the time, do you speak outside of dentistry? Yeah, I dabbled with medicine, came back to dentistry um, in it. Um, why would I go outside of dentistry when I love it so much? I love the people that are, are working hard for their patients. I love everything they're doing. I love how our profession 
is leading so many things. Our guidelines, our adherence to guidelines and what we were doing to protect our patients. Far surpassed is medicine, doesn't it? Oh my gosh, it's amazing. And and you know it because you're in it all the time. And then you go to a, to a medical practice and you see how they do things. It's shocking. So I, uh, the pride of where we are and who we work with and our profession, I think that's why I can't stop. I can't stop. There's, there's more students. <laughs> that need you. Yeah. Well, and it's this piece, it's the profession of, of, of helping them to be better versions of who they were yesterday and to know that dentistry brings them all kinds of opportunities of different kinds of practices and they're all successful. No one model is, is perfect. If it was, we wouldn't all be trying to tweak it and find a way to make it work. So I can't think of a better place to have uh, grown to be who I am today than dentistry. That's awesome. I'm grateful for everything that's come to me and um, looking forward <laughs> to all that is still out there for me to help um, other Excellent. dentists, et cetera. Now, the one thing I do know about the profession is we can have stressful days. Oh, yes. So what is your best way or favorite way to manage stress? <sighs> I am a walker. Number one, I'm a walker. I take even in this COVID time when I'm in my house and what's maybe going on with a client has been stressful and I finished that, I don't actually want to talk to anyone else. I, I, I take myself and I go walk out my door. Certainly I'm on Maui and I have a beautiful view. Um, I have to walk. What I actually notice I'm doing is breathing. Mm -hmm. I notice that when I have stress, I hold my breath all the time. I hold my breath. And then when I go to speak, it's too strident because it's on the out breath. <laughs> and in it, the stress for me is about not treating my body right. So walking and breathing are my first go-tos to get myself to a centering place to then take apart what my perception of that stress is. Mm -hmm. Is it under my control? If it is, then I better do something about it. The reason I'm stressed is because I'm not doing anything about it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's a, that's a, a Cindy process. Please know I'm not so great at it. None of us are perfect, Cindy. The, the profession thing, you know, we think we are because we're such perfectionists, but there is nothing perfect about us. What is, um, do you have a personal model or a mantra that you live by? I think that, that I shared it earlier. Um, my personal mantra is really that one about school is never out for the professional. It's how I face my fears and it's how I face um, chaos and stress is I, I figure it out and I learn. And so for me, that, that remembering that, that, quote, that mantra has kept me moving forward. 
I've been stuck. There's no questions. I've been stuck feeling sorry for Cindy. Woe is me. Um, I, I've said this to my husband. Um, so I'll share it with you all. I want you to know I've said to him, Oh my goodness. I have to recreate Cindy again, again. Well, yeah, <laughs> we all do. Yeah. Right. I needed to be saying, I get the privilege of growing Cindy and learning more. But at that moment, all I could think of is that what we all don't like, right, is I don't want to change me. I'm, I'm tired of having to change me. Well, if you, if you fail to change and you fail to adapt, you fail. So I think that that personal mantra has served me well. And I continue to do it. And that other one, that repetition is key to learning because sometimes I, I have to keep that in mind when I'm dealing with people outside of dentistry, you know, like the phone company and <laughs> other people when things aren't going well. I need to know, you know, keep that in mind, that repetition, say it a different way, ask a question a different way and um, keep my Cindy kindness voice on as, instead of my Cindy frustrated voice because no one deserves that. Absolutely. Do you have a secret dream or guilty pleasure you want to share with the audience? You know, my secret dream, I'm, I'm always working on it. I would love to live, love to live in Japan. Really? I would love to live there. Um, we, we have traveled there multiple times. Certainly, um, my husband is Japanese. He certainly is third generation U.S., and um, we don't have a family there, but we love to travel to that country. And I would love to be um, fluent in Japanese. And I think the only way that I can do that would be to live there. So those, you know, those international um, shows that are about going to live in a country, I'd like to do that, but not for a long, I don't want to live there for two years or three years. I'd like to go and live there for six months. And, and I'd like to live in different areas of Japan. Um, so that. That's my dream. I'd like to do that. Um, I talk about it all the time. So, you know, once you put it out in the world, you tend to make it happen. So we'll, it's possible. I'll share a story with you. Um, I had a patient, um, a couple that um, when he retired, the two of them um, got spent six months in Paris every year and came back home for six months. And it was specifically for him and her to learn French because they both love the language and they love the way it sounded and specifically to just be in downtown Paris and enjoy city living. And I, I don't know if you've ever been to Paris, but one of my favorite cities, I have not been to Japan. I've always wanted to go to a um, Japanese garden because I have a true appreciation for the meticulous attention to detail that is in every Japanese garden. So I can appreciate the beauty that those gardens um, provide. And uh, it would, there's nothing, I would, I could meditate in a Japanese garden for years, I think. It's also a great um, other side to Cindy then, right? I'm, I, can do the things that de-stresses me I, to breathe, to walk, 
to do, um, to walk through all of those gardens and all of the temples and the shrines and to do all those things. That brings me peacefulness and um, allows for me to um, enjoy what, what the creation on this earth is. I, I just think there's, there's certain things to it. Um, and um, I find the culture and the language and uh, the food and everything about Japan uh, to be uh, comfortable and fabulous. And, and besides that, it's only a seven hour plane ride from here. That's all it is. It takes me five hours to get to San Francisco or add two more hours and I'm in Tokyo. So please know that what an easy choice that is where Europe is 20 plus hours for me. To well, get to, and so. see now Paris is only seven hours for me. See? See, so easy for me to go to Europe than it would be for me to go to Japan. Although you know, I certainly want to go to Japan on Australia and New Zealand at some point. So yes, yes, yes. Well, Both I certainly beautiful. hope you get there and I hope you make it happen because certainly it's a wonderful um, uh, dream to have for sure. I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and reconnecting. Sandy, thank you so much for your time. And I know that you have shared so many tidbits with our audience and that you've inspired somebody today to take on the profession of, of consulting just because of your, your great words of wisdom. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. And it, um, it's, a, it's absolutely been a pleasure. And um, I love that the conversation with you has gone so easy. It always does when we talk. Um, you're, a, you're a pleasure to chat with. Well, thank you so much, Cindy. Thank you so much for listening to the Women in Dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation. Mm-hmm.